everyone. Welcome. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Safekeeping, a podcast about family relationships, safety, and well-being brought to you by the Joe Torrey Safe at Home Foundation. My name is Gabby, and I'm here with my coworker, Rachel. Rachel, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, thanks, Gabby. Welcome, everyone. I'm Rachel. I'm a board-certified licensed mental health clinician and one of the clinical supervisors for Safe at Home's Margaret's Place programs in New York City. And Gabby, how about a little bit about your role at Safe at Home? So I work as the uh, Family Outreach and Program Operations Coordinator. My role is to educate individuals about the impacts of DV on communities, as well as aid in program evaluation. Rachel, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about Joe Tory, about what we do? Yeah, absolutely. So Safe at Home was founded by Joe and Allie Tory in 2002 with the mission to educate to end the cycle of violence. Through our Margaret's Place programs, we provide healing, hope, and empowerment to youth who have experienced trauma related to violence, including domestic violence or intimate partner violence. And that's actually a little bit what we'll be talking about today, a little bit about domestic violence and also how you can talk to your own children and teens about relationships. So Gabby, when we talk about having these conversations with children and teens, one of the biggest things that parents or teachers or anyone really who's interfacing with young people ask is when do I start these conversations? Yeah, that's a great question. And truthfully, the answer is that it is never too early to start. And there is actually no such thing as starting these conversations too early or too late. Children at young ages can comprehend relationship dynamics and what is and is not appropriate to do, obviously, up until being older. So really, as early as possible, being able to start these conversations can be very beneficial, not only for your child, but as well for the relationship between you and your child. As well, though, even though we discussed uh, starting very early, don't worry, don't freak out. If maybe your child is a little bit older, if you have a little bit of an older teen, it's also never too late to begin this conversation. Mm -hmm. So really just the most important thing is that we're starting this conversation. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Um, I myself have a young child at home and starting these conversations is so important because they really are able to verbalize and something that we can help them do as parents or teachers is to verbalize what are things about relationships in their lives that they like, what makes them feel safe, what makes them feel comfortable. And it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship, right? My, my two-year-old does not have a romantic partner, but he can mm-hmm. tell me what makes him happy about his relationship with me or what makes him happy about his relationship with his grandparents. And he also can tell me what makes him angry or what makes him sad or when someone does something that he doesn't like. And it's important to open that door because it starts the foundation as they get older to know what their values are in relationships in general, and then to help them think about carrying that over to romantic relationships as they age into teenage years. I think that's a really good example to even ask your toddler what uh, would you like a relationship to look like from me because as a parent, because those are the first relationships that your children are forming. So even to be able to understand respect and the foundations of relationships, even in the context of family, 
can help to, you know, allow your children to make connections to how other relationships should be with other people. Um, so I think that's a really great point, Rachel. Yeah. And I just want to add a piece even to what you said before about starting what some people might feel or worry is too late. Once you open this door, especially if you're talking with older teens, right, you're kind of cracking the door open a little bit at a time and just planting the seed for this conversation to happen. But a lot of teenagers, you know, they feel like they have a lot of information about dating and they know a lot of things from their own life experiences, which is true. Like they do have a lot of knowledge and also they still can benefit from having an adult, a parent, talk to them and give them some guidance. So we want to be mindful that we want to open this door and we want to open up the conversation so that teens can come if they do have questions. And I think when we are thinking about how to do that, a lot of parents worry about, well, what do I say, right? What do I say? How do I start this conversation? Gabby, do you want to give some pointers for parents of how they can start this conversation? Yeah, definitely. I think one of the uh, most important concepts is that it doesn't need to be very formal the way in which you talk with your children. Obviously, if you have a younger child and you're speaking with your child, even at toddler's age, right, clearly it's not going to be very formal, but it doesn't have to be a big thing. Like you said, Rachel, it's really opening the door to conversations to be able to create a relationship of longevity and continue on with these conversations. So you can really keep it very simple. And let's say you have a a teen or a preteen, you can ask first off if they have any questions about dating. They're getting to the age where they're cognizant of the fact that people are in romantic relationships Mm -hmm. and maybe at the preteen level, they've already started to feel some uh, degree of romantic feelings towards another person. Mm -hmm. So very simply, you can just ask them if they have any questions about dating, see where the conversation goes from there. And if they don't have any questions, or even if they do, you can also ask them if they or their friends have a romantic partner, right? You can be very straightforward because I think in this situation, the more that we try to beat around the bush, it can potentially either cause confusion or it can make uh, you or your child a little bit squeamish to open up about these types of Mm. subjects. So really just asking hey, do do any of your friends have a partner or, um, you know, do do you like anybody? Have you ever had a partner? And see in asking what kind of feelings that sparks with your child and what that even looks like for them. Yeah, I think that's a great point, especially um, what it might look like because dating for an 11 or 12-year-old, and I know some people might hear that and think, oh my gosh, 11, 12, that's so young. (laughs) Um, But we we do want to be mindful of the fact that some kids are starting to date at 11 and 12, but asking them what that looks like for them, right? Because it might be something as simple as, oh, we hold hands in the hallway, right? When, When they are in physical school, after this pandemic passes Um, Mm -hmm. or right now, maybe they're even seeing something and it's, Oh, we just text each other every day. Right. And for older teens, it might look a little bit more what we as adults would think of a romantic relationship. Maybe there's some kissing, some touching um, and being mindful to talk to your teen about what their own boundaries are in those situations and what they expect from their partner, both 
physically and emotionally and what they feel is healthy at this point in time. And I think it's important also when we're talking about healthy relationships, it doesn't always have to be about partners and romantic relationships. Just ask your child what they value in a relationship in general. Absolutely. So as a parent, something I might say is, I want to see you with a partner who has mutual respect, right? For you and you for them. Or I want to see someone who helps you follow your goals and doesn't bring you down and ask them what they want, right? What do do they want for themselves? What's important to them? Mm -hmm. Do you have any other ideas, Rachel, about um, good ways to facilitate this conversation? Yeah, you know, I think for parents who maybe are a little bit more uncomfortable with being direct, and that's totally fine. Everyone has their own style. Or if you know that your your child might feel a little bit comfortable about being direct, um, using media as a way to talk about these things can be really helpful because it allows students, teenagers, children to open up um, maybe a little bit about what's going on in their own lives, but from a third person perspective so that it doesn't feel so personal and it doesn't feel mm-hmm. so intimate or so pressured. So you can use things like music, movies. There's a show that your child really likes and you notice that there's an example of a healthy relationship. You can point it out to them or talk to them about, oh, what do you like about the relationship on this show? Or what do you not like? And that can be really helpful to get the conversation started. Absolutely. And I think going along with media, you can even ask your child to describe characteristics of what they consider to be a healthy or unhealthy relationship. And I think at this point, maybe um, we're talking about a little bit older. And so asking your child to uh, describe characteristics of healthy and unhealthy relationships, maybe you can give them a couple prompts if they seem um, to be a little hesitant, and then ask them to describe a relationship that they see on TV and compare the two. Mm-hmm. And say, well, does this relationship that you're that you see on TV or Instagram, TikTok, picture, et cetera, um, does that appear to align with the characteristics that you've described for healthy relationships? So obviously, this would be an activity that we're doing with a child who's a little bit older because we're working with uh, multiple concepts and and a number of moving parts here. But it can allow them to can really conceptualize what is and what is not for them, and almost help them to create these clearer boundaries earlier on. Yeah, for sure. I love that idea of comparing and contrasting, Gabby. I think that's so important, especially when we're talking about healthy and unhealthy behaviors in relationships. So thank Mm -hmm. you for that. That's super important. And I think also parents are always looking for like a toolkit, right? Like what, mm-hmm. what do I have in my toolbox and my arsenal that I can bring to this conversation to help it go as smoothly as possible? So do you want to share with us some tips and tricks that we use at Safe at Home when we're talking to teenagers that might be helpful for parents or teachers or other professionals out there? Absolutely. I think primarily it's important to stay calm. Children and teens mimic or rather reflect the energy that they're being given. And even if they're not literally reflecting this energy emotionally, if they notice that you are a bit frazzled, it can kind of, you know, make them feel a little bit frazzled. So staying calm, I think is very important. Try to just keep the ca- the conversation casual 
And even if you maybe don't feel uh, that comfortable or if you don't feel calm, you can really embrace the awkward. You can be very uh, forward with the fact that this isn't the most comfortable but I conversation for me, but I really want to be able to have this talk with you. And I really want us to be able to be open and communicate. And even if you don't feel comfortable, just acknowledging the fact that you are uncomfortable, right? So pointing to the elephant in the room, but also saying, but I really want this for us. And so therefore I am going to allow myself to be awkward for us to push forward, I think is great just as far as the relationship dynamic for your child to be able to see your child or your student, whomever it may be, your client that you just want to be able to, um, you know, open this door to this new conversation that you're having. Absolutely. I think that that's so important because transparency, and I think we forget this as adults, but transparency goes such a long way with children and teens, and it really helps them to build and gain a sense of trust in the relationship. So I love that part about embracing the awkward because if they're picking up on it, and and you're feeling it, right? Like it's something that you guys can bond over and really strengthen the relationship as you're as you're talking. Oh, I was just thinking, you know, a great example of that is thinking about when you were in school, what were your who were your favorite teachers rather? Mm-hmm. And generally, oftentimes, at least speaking for myself, my favorite teachers and my friends' favorite teachers and in college, my favorite professors were always the professors that were the most transparent and open mm-hmm. and able to acknowledge that mm-hmm. they were not just a robot in their role of being a teacher, being a professor, and that they were also a human that existed with various levels of emotions and different elements of their life. So I think being able to also just see, maybe think about who did you end up gravitating towards the most? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes for myself and, and for my friends and family, people close to me, it's the people who were the most real to say in the plainest terms. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and coupling with the idea of being real, thinking about um, transparency and honesty, when we're having these conversations with our teens and our children, If they ask a question that you don't have an answer to, I know it's really hard not to panic as as a parent, especially, um, but it's okay not to know something, right? Like we're all always learning. We're all always growing. That's just part of being a human and being able to say to your child, like, you know what? I actually don't know. I'm not sure. I don't have the answer to that, but let's find out together and make it an experience where you guys can bond over. So. You can, you know, use the internet in a responsible way to look something up on a reputable site. If your child has a question about relationships or dating or sex that you maybe don't have the answer to. And not only does that help them to answer the question and to build trust with you, it also models a behavior that then they can use in their own life, which is one, not being afraid to ask questions, right? Not being afraid to say, that they don't know because that's how we learn mm-hmm. and also then learning how to find out. Right. And if you don't want to use the internet, if you don't feel comfortable, you can always find another person, find a professional, find a friend who you think might know the answer and, and use them as a resource. Absolutely. I think that also when it comes to having these conversations, we want to remind parents that it might be silent 
you might get some radio silence from your kid and that's okay. Um, as we were saying before, like we're, we're just trying to crack the door here a little bit at a time to open up to this conversation. Mm-hmm. So if your student or your child or your teen doesn't seem to feel comfortable, give it some space, try again. And if you try a few times and you're just really feeling like you're hitting a wall or your child's not responding, think about having another person that they can talk to, right? For a while, it's okay to sit in the silence and to be okay with that and to let your child just sit with the awkward for themselves as well. And at some point, you do want to know that they're getting the information. So if they're not talking to you, think about someone else that they can talk to, whether it's a teacher that you also really trust or feel comfortable with or an aunt or an uncle or a family friend, someone who can can be that adult in your child's life to help give them this information so that you know they're getting it in a responsible and accurate way. I think that's a really great point to bring up, Rachel, just the, you know, the idea that going along with, you know, admitting what you don't know and embracing the silence, being able to also admit that sometimes your child might feel more comfortable opening up to somebody else and that that's okay and actually uh, can be quite normal depending on the age of the child, particularly Mm -hmm. if we're in the teenage years. So being, you know, cognizant of that and kind of being able to just say, okay, you know what, maybe in this instance, they're not going to necessarily open up to me, but I'd rather them open up to somebody Mm -hmm. and maybe see if we can work, you know, uh, like work together as a team. In addition, just wanted to point out, perhaps you've noticed that Rachel and I have continually used gender neutral language. So throughout this conversation, we've been saying partner rather than saying boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, husband, wife, etc. And I think that that is a very important step with your child in being able to help them frame their mindset of that they have options to choose. and in giving them this space, they can explore the language and what they're comfortable with on their own time, but not necessarily saying, okay, it's either boyfriend or girlfriend, husband or wife, right? So just being mindful of the language that we use to help frame our thinking. Yeah, we really don't want to make assumptions about our teen's sexual identity because we may think that we know as parents and sometimes we don't. So we want to use as Gabby said, the most gender neutral language and the most um, all-inclusive language so that if teens have questions, they feel comfortable asking them. And something as simple as using a phrase like romantic partner as opposed to boyfriend or girlfriend can really do wonders in opening that door. And I recognize that that might be more difficult for some parents than others uh, because it's not necessarily language that you may have grown up using, right? And I think that that comes along with kind of our last tip or trick, which is to keep an open mind. We learn from our kids every day. Every day we learn from teens and children, whether it's about relationships, whether it's something about ourselves that we learn, or even just something that they teach us that we didn't know before. And that can happen even in these conversations. So going in, being willing to keep an open mind, being willing to listen to your child without judgment, 
can really go a long way in allowing them to open up and feel comfortable and knowing that, you know, sometimes teens make mistakes. So even if they share something with you that you might feel disappointed by in the moment or something that you don't agree with or you don't value, you're just remembering that you can share those emotions with them and still find a way to be supportive so that they don't shut down from the conversation. So with all of that being said, we really want to thank our listeners for tuning in today. If you like what you've heard, we encourage you to subscribe and leave a positive review of this podcast. And if you want to learn more, you can follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at Safe at Home Foundation and on Twitter at Tori Safe at Home. You can also visit our website for more information, joetory.org. And we just want to say thanks for listening to Safekeeping presented by the Joe Tory Safe at Home Foundation. We hope that you all come back and listen in next time. Thank you so much for being here, Gabby. Thank you, Rachel. See you soon. See you soon.